done it. Now Caruso runs a break. Caldwell Pope goes to the wing here. Play at the defensive end, got blown by back. Oh, oh yes! Hook jam! Hard step back, puts up the three, got hit, shots good! And one! What's up, what's up, everybody? It's your boy Kenu K. Howard and Bucky Boy. <laughs> what's up, everybody? It's George. Welcome to another episode of Trade Ball. <laughs> what a long pause. Were you expect me to say something that I say? Andy? I mean, usually you keep talking. You, you know, you like to hear yourself talk, so you don't introduce me <laughs> off the jump. But you, okay, but you, you, you the, you the co-host on this show now. So it's, it's, it's right. us now. Okay, it's a new cadence. I'm with you now. I so got you with you. me now. All right. Calibrated. Let's go. Well, so welcome to uh, another episode of Trade Ball. I know we didn't come to you all last week, uh, but we are back this week with some topics that we're going to dive into. Uh Bucky boy, are you ready? I was born ready. Come on, let's get to it. All right, let's talk about your favorite team. I ain't talking about the Lakers. Let's talk about the Nets. Wow, I know the hate. Your favorite team to favorite. hate. Because, man, so for those, for the audience now, since this trade has taken place, George has been on my ass. Because I, I like, like I, I ain't, I ain't going to say I'm a fan of Nets, but I'm just, I'm a pure basketball fan. I honestly don't have a problem with this trade that's taking Except place. for the Lakers, though. You don't like good basketball. I have no problem with the Lakers. Don't watch y'all play, and I have no problem with y'all. This is you. It's always just you. It's just you and the way you just talk highly of them, even when they doing stupid shit. I talk highly about the champions. It's all right. Go ahead. Yeah, I'm just hey, not champions. But anyways, so George has been on my ass and just talking about the Nets and Looking for any and every way to talk to talk bad about them, even making up losses losses when they win. So <laughs> I got pumped fake by Twitter. You got you got pumped fake by your own hate. The Nets are three and two since the James Harden trade. You know, uh, with an overall ten eight record, finishing uh, fifth in the East so far. Uh, they only played two games, all three together. We know that first game against Cleveland, with Kyle Sexton went off for forty points in a double overtime uh, win against the uh, Nets. Um, the other game, the game after that, Katie didn't play, but they all played again this past Sunday, well, Sunday, yesterday, as we recorded this on Monday, um, and they all won uh, against the Miami Heat, but uh, Ben Matabaya put up 40 points against KD on that game. Um, what, what, have, what have we seen so far from the team? The, the apparent and most glaring flaw of this team, as everybody knows, is defense. Not a lick. Not a lick. You know, we have the Cavs, who is one of the worst, ranked second worst, actually. Uh, they were worse when they played them. They played so good, they moved up a spot. They did. They scored 140 points on them. And for a team like this, who we are, yeah. many are picking to be in the championship. As great as they look offensively, defensively, terrible. George, what, what can they do to alleviate this? How are they going to get better at this? I mean, what can they do? At the end of the day, they can have a better scheme, but you got – James Harden don't play. I won't say no defense. He plays some defense, but he's not going to be first team, second team, all defense anytime soon. Kyrie, the same. KD, KD's a good defender. He gets hyped up a little bit too much as a great defender. But at the end of the day, y'all don't have the pieces, and y'all not going to have the pieces unless you trade one of your guys. Will you do it? You won't trade Kyrie. You just got James. Obviously, KD's not going anywhere. DeAndre Jordan is a shell of himself. He, he left his better days in L.A., <laughs> that man's nowhere to be found. Joe Harris, who's he? <laughs> Come on now. Come on now. Who, who's Joe Harris going to guard? <laughs> Come on now. So y'all don't have the pieces. Y'all don't have the goons. Y'all don't have the guys. I don't know what Steve Nash's defensive scheme is, but it ain't working. And Lakers at five. But if you want me to be talking about Brooklyn more specifically, of course, I think that you're going to get absolutely obliterated down low. I actually heard they've been looking to look at grab Kevin Love, which I think at least on the rebounding side, because you also been getting destroyed on the glass as well, will be better for you. But I think Kevin Love has long since put his Cleveland days or his Minnesota days behind him. And now he's kind of a stretch four who can give you, you know, eight to 10 rebounds a game, which is fine. But when you play Joel Embiid or Giannis, that's not going to do you much good. So I don't think you guys can really do much about it. You kind of just got to roll with the pieces that you have and just hope you outscore everybody to win because you're not going to stop them from scoring for a fact. 
So my hope from this and from just watching them play, because it's not like like you've been teaching me as just being a Nets fan and trying to be a fan of any team that's not the Lakers. I'm just a basketball purist. I just love the game. So I'm always on root for a team to be good, regardless. You know, it may not seem like it for you the Lakers, but I just want to see a team be good. And what I think for this team, I think the best option for them is to try to find a guy in the free agency market once um, that opens up for – I'm losing my mind right now. What's that period it's called when they can get players in free agency uh, for mid-level, mid-level exception? Or that – because they also got – uh, never mind. They say I would say they sent some cash. They received some cash for the team, but they sent cash in. Yeah, yeah they got they got because they got a, an exception because of Spencer Dinwiddie's injury, so they got an extra yeah. five point three million. They did have to get another player. Okay, so they did get that. I was thinking about yeah. the the two point three million they sent to Indiana for Karis LeVert. Um, so my hope is that with this money that they have, that they find some guy in free agency, and like you said, trade for a guy. I posted on Twitter. I said Andre Drummond. Now I think that'd be good. They, mean, they, they got good. like five centers, so I mean they don't need all of them. They could give up one. Exactly. And my whole and another reason why I also suggested that is with the money that they just received, too. Um, I would say that it kind of opens up some cap space, too, for Cleveland, because I also, you know, this is me just kind of thinking the future. I think Cleveland has got has gathered enough young guys um, that and they got some trade pieces from like, like I said, from Brooklyn with Jared Allen, that if you get a superstar to if they draft a superstar or something or somebody. Some way wants to go to Cleveland for some reason. I think they have a team that's contending the East. They just have a they. Wait, they have, wait, 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 wait. We're talking about Cleveland, right? We're talking, I'm about, talking about. I'm talking about. I'm, listen, this, listen to what I said. They have the pieces. I'm saying they have some pieces. You got Colin Sexton, Darius Garland. You got Jared Allen. You got Andre Drummond. You got you had Kevin Porter, but you traded him. You got Isaac Okoro. You got Larry Nance Jr. You got Seti Osman. These are good role players. You got what are Col- they contending for the eight seed. I'm saying if you get a superstar to come there. I'm saying like how when they like when LeBron left and Kyrie they drafted Kyrie and they built up the team and LeBron came there. Boom, championship. Okay, wh- I feel like there are some gaps here between Isaac Okora championship. All right, okay. So let, let, let's. But take no, 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 no. We, we don't. Let's not dive too deep into it. I'm just saying. Honestly, okay. it seems crazy. Okay, but okay. just listen to what I said. Oh, just the is. way the oh, the way that they did with Kyrie when LeBron left and they drafted Kyrie and they built up this team. They they trash on their own, right? They trash, but they got good enough. There's some good pieces there that if you take a superstar or two, this is come there, championship. They you know I wouldn't even say you know. Let's agree. Disagree. I think they can make the playoffs. Playoffs. Uh, uh, playoffs. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. Okay. I don't know who's. I don't know who's clamoring over themselves to get to Cleveland right now. Nobody. They go Nobody. to a place where the river catches on fire. <laughs> but um, <laughs> if somebody is willing, like if Giannis after his five years is up, he goes there. Or, you know, I heard Ben Simmons is on the market. I guess maybe he'll he'll want to go. Uh, yeah. Trade him for like Cleveland. I mean, hey, the way Context is playing, it could be just like a straight up one to one trade. I guess I don't know. But hey, you believe that? I I. I don't know if I do, but I'll empower you to believe whatever you want, King. You know what? Maybe championship was too much. Maybe it is playoffs. And also, I'm just maybe I'm thinking because LeBron James done, done it that everybody can do it. Not everybody. That, that's James. King James. Like, let's remember, there's levels to this. All right. <laughs> let, let. But 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 there are guys who, if you put them on a team, that can take like you're you're instantly in a either conference final or championship hunt. Kevin Durant is that type of guy. James Harden is that type of guy. Steph Curry is that type of guy. You, there are guys like the Kawhi Leonard is that type of guy. There's guys out there like that. Let's not act like LeBron's the only one. Uh, LeBron is a sure fit for a championship, but there are guys out there who are either championship or conference round bound if you just put them on your team. You know, we went down a major rabbit hole from the Nets, so I'll just agree to disagree. We can talk about that <laughs> offline because because I've never heard you say that, and I'm glad, that, and I hope I never hear it again. All right, so let's move. Let's keep it pushing, bro. So, back, so, I mean, so back to the Nets, you know, it's a podcast, so you can dive off a little bit. So back, back to the Nets, you know, obviously, like I said, defense is their biggest problem. So the hope is for them to acquire some guy through this free agency or through a trade to get them to come to help them. But – as we're seeing on the offensive end, Kyrie Irving's not taking the backseat like everybody thinks he, he was going to come back. And whether you see it as a good thing or a bad thing, you know, I I think as long as it fits, you know, so far in terms of offensively, I think it's okay. And I, But I would like to see James Harden take some more shots. Because what we're seeing right now, we're seeing Kyrie 
And, you know, the Cleveland games they played, he had 37 points and he had 38. And both of them taking 28 and 24 shots in both respective games. And he also had 28 in the win against Miami going 10 for 17. Where James Harden, on the other hand, he had – he went 6-14 with 21 points, 10 rebounds, 12 assists in that first game when Kyrie returned. Uh, going 6-14 with 19 points, 5 rebounds, 11 assists in the loss with the Cavs. That was when uh, Kevin Durant didn't play that game. But in the win against Miami on Sunday, he went 2-8 for eight with 12 points, 7 rebounds, and 11 assists. Now, while he's getting these triple-doubles, which I think fits his role better because he's able to distribute the ball better than Kyrie, you know, I would like to see him take and make more shots. We know James Harden to be as like, at volume score. Like, he may have a couple games where his percentage looks down, but he's one of those guys that the more shots he takes, the better his scoring becomes. So you will hope that he will at least get – I'll say give him five more shots. I think that kind of helps him. He's already taken – we've seen him right now with 14 and 8 give him about five more shots, make him shoot at least around 20 shots a game. That's enough. I honestly don't have a problem with James Harden only shooting that much because he's a volume scorer. And I think you already have three volume scores. I guess you wouldn't really call KD a volume scorer because he's efficient. But Very efficient. If you, yeah, exactly. He's, he's we'll get to him sniper. next. Yeah, but to me, if you look at it, if you just think about it in terms of like true shooting percentage and efficiency percentages, that – James Harden is the least efficient of the three. So I don't, and he's also the best facilitator of the three. So for me, him stepping into this point guard esque role like he's doing right now, where he's averaging maybe 20 to 20, because somebody on this team had to drop down to 20 points. That's just how it had to be. You can't have three guys averaging 25 plus. And if you could, it's unheard of. But I think he's better suited in like the 20 point, 22 point, nine to 11 assist range. And then my only problem is, KD should not be taking less shots than Kyrie. That that's my only issue. But here's the thing, though. But here's the thing. It's not like KD's taking these less shots at the sacrifice of his points. Because while we putting up these, while we saying these numbers about these two, Kevin Durant is still balling. Right. Kevin Durant is averaging over thirty points in the midst of all of this. He's I mean, really he, he walks out of bed and what twenty eight. So I mean, like, yeah, no biggie. And as I, as like as I, I as we me and you talked about this when this trade went down where I said KD can kind of serve as that third role in the sense of not demanding so much, you know, right. not demanding so much to take place for him in the offensive game because KD's that type of guy where you put him anywhere with any team because he is that good of a hooper, of a baller, that he's just going to get his numbers regardless. And we've seen him when he done it with the greatest offensive team in Golden State, and we've seen when he's doing it now with two of ball-dominant guys of Kyrie and James Harden. He's still getting his way no matter what. Right. Yeah, no, he can definitely do his thing. And KD, I mean, it's never been a question of how he gets his buckets. But I think when you have a more consistent engine of productivity, it should be him. It should just be him. He's a seven-footer with a with a handle. He can shoot from anywhere. He's more efficient. And he's also – I'm not going to say that Kyrie – is a bad decision maker, like on the same level of Westbrook. But I just feel like sometimes Kyrie just gets in his, I'm going to dance, get to the rim and do all my Kyrie acrobatics, which is fun. Love to watch it. That's great. But if we're just talking about efficiency and effectiveness, KD is the guy who should be shooting the most shots on a team. That's just how it should be. So let me ask you this. Even like I said, even though he's not taking as many shots, the man had 38 in his first game. When Kyrie came back, and then he had thirty one against Miami. Granted, Adebayo had forty points against him on defense, but this man had thirty one. So if you ask him to take more shots, what you want him to average now? You want him to average forty? It's not about. I mean, it's not about the averages. It's just about who's most efficient. But, you look but, like, you look but at all the games they have not blown out anybody. They barely beat. They barely beat um, Miami. They barely beat Orlando. The game that Kyrie didn't play, and then. Um, was it who's the what was the third one? What was the third? They played one? the Bucks, and then they played the Bucks. They beat the and, Bucks, and they beat oh. the Bucks. That was a good. That was a good win. So, I, I, how much did they beat the Bucks by? They beat the Bucks by like one, two points. I think so they three points. I think it was one fourteen, one seventeen that game. Yeah, so it was like a two, three point game. Then they got blown out by the Cavs twice. So my thing is they're hmm. good. And first game was not blowout. Let's not hesitate now. It was two overtime. Yeah, that's true. It was a two overtime. It got, they Come got blown there. out by the Cavs game two, and then they lit. They were getting blown out by the Cavs the entire game, and then they made a late game push, and then they lost. Let's be real about it. That game was they, they, they made a late game push to beat Miami last night. They did. So, so that's my point. Then. So that's my point. Then they well, haven't had night. a dominating. They have not had a dominating victory yet. 
not one. They've had two come behind wins, a close game with Milwaukee, and they've had two losses. So to me, that means that there's room for improvement. To me, defense. The, yeah, but I mean, at the end of the day, to me, defense is one of those areas where you kind of got what you got. And obviously, you can have better sets, but Steve Nash, he's not known for his defense. He's not known for being in systems with great defense. I don't know if that's coming from him anytime soon. What you can do is have a more efficient offense. Because if you look at it, their offense, I mean, when you got those three guys, obviously you can't have a bad offense, but it hasn't been otherworldly. It really hasn't been. Like, uh, sure. I, it hasn't been otherworldly. That, that, that first, at first game against Cleveland, they hit all, they hit all they their had first 40, 10 shots. They had 46 points at half. But I'm just talking about, you You talking about just the offensive game not being as impressive. That very first game, they hit, all they, all, they hit all their first 10 shots. That's, that's, a, that's a good and they finish And they finished the half down double digits with 46 points, I believe. So I mean, that's I, why I said their defense needs to get better. But what does their defense have to do with the fact they only scored 46 points, though? Because you can only outscore that many people. Like. But 46 points at a half is less than average, though. That's not like a high scoring. Like, I didn't say they had 70 and the other team had 80. At that point, oh, you did what you had to do. You had 46 points. Okay. Some teams have a quarter with that many points. So I'm saying, like, the offense could be better, and your defense can't really get much better because you don't have any trade pieces to get better defenders unless you trade Kyrie, which, if it were me, I mean, I would consider it. That's all I'm saying. But they probably won't. So then it really just comes down to having a more efficient and effective offense. And I think that comes with KD taking the most shots because as great as Kyrie is, he's not Kevin Durant. That That's it. That's all I'm saying. I'm not saying anything mean. Kyrie's great. Bullishes be real. Call a spade a spade. Call a bucket a bucket. That man KD, some motherfucking bucket. Is he not? Is he? Is he? He is a bucket. I'll do him buckets. I'll do him buckets. Well, he's a he's a capital, but he's a capital B U C K E T. And Kyrie's like, you know, capital B, you know, comic sans, you know, like whatever. Compared to Kevin. Compared to Kevin. That's what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. All right, compared to Kevin Durant. Okay, I'll take it. Now, staying with the Nets. Um, so, in that game against Miami, you know, like I said, Bam Adebayo had 40 points that game. As you know, it's a, a tradition that many players do um, uh, in all sports, um, mainly in basketball, is what we see a lot of it done, is swap jerseys. Mm. So, after the game, we saw Kyrie Irving and Bam Adebayo wanting to hug and try to swap jerseys. Security stopped them from doing such a thing. Now, I see people, you know, talk about this, you know, obviously in the midst of this pandemic and with the protocols that the league has in, uh, has in place, you know, let's, because I was talking about this with, I was talking about this with uh, somebody yesterday about this. Like, does this make sense, really, when you look at it? Because these guys, they just got done playing a game against each other. You know, contact is made in the game. This basketball is a very contact sport. These right. guys get tested every day. You know, they follow the protocols in and out throughout the day. Does it make sense? You know, when you look at it, because I understand as in what it can look like and what it can be interpreted as through the media and the way it looks in the midst of this pandemic. I understand how it looks, but really, does it make any sense for the league to do something like this or to stop this from happening even after a game they just played against each other where they already been touching all up on each other the entire time? If you want me to really talk about it on a technical level as a viro- like a pseudo armchair virologist, um, not particularly because, I mean, they already have literally bumped against each other, exchanging bodily fluids with sweat all over the place. They've definitely made contact throughout the game. And then he made contact with players that they will continue to make contact with. So if we're looking at it that way, no, nah, not really. If we're looking at it just in terms of the optics of it, I think right. that you need to limit the contact that you have with other people to what is necessary. It is necessary in a contact sport to make contact. It is not necessary to exchange jerseys. So while I think on a practical level, if Bam had something, you already got in the second quarter on a on a finger roll when you bumped him and one finished, or when KD was posting him up and vice versa, and you then dap KD up in the huddle or whatever. But on an optics level, okay, you didn't need to do that, and you let him do it either, regardless. And obviously, that goes back to like Rudy Gobert. He got it from just touching mics. At least that's how it's assumed he got it anyway, from touching those microphones at the press conference way back when, like this time last year. Right. So I mean, that's like incidental contact. It doesn't have to happen. I guess it does. It doesn't hurt to stop it, break it up, 
I don't think anybody's going to lose any sleep about not being able to swap jerseys, especially with players that aren't retiring. Like, Bam's not going anywhere. Right. He's going to be around. He'll be around next year, hopefully, when this is over, and you can get a jersey then. But, I mean, I, I get why the NBA did it, though. It makes sense. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Like I said, I understand it from, like, just like you said, from the optics perspective and how it looks um, like upon the media. And that's a good point you brought up about Rudy Gobert and how he looked because he was the very first player that tested positive for the COVID. Um, and we remember seeing him joking about it and, you know, touching on the microphones with his long ass arms and hands before he left the room. So we know what the opposite looks on that. Uh, another point I want to add to this, you know, 23 out of the 30 teams in the league has had at least one game postponed. Um, the Wizards and the Grizzlies lead the league in most game postponed with six. Um, and the Celtics and Suns followed that with three. So I can see, like you said, from an NBA perspective, why they even administered administer this and why this would happen. And like you said, it's not that big of a deal. Nobody's going to sleep over it. Um, let's talk about another, you know, viral moment in the NBA that's kind of been going around and kind of an awkward moment, you know. Um, Very awkward. Uh, <laughs> the the Shaquille O'Neal and Donovan Mitchell uh, post game TNT interview. Um, so coming after a Jazz win against the Pelicans on TNT, I think it was Thursday night when they played. Um, Shaq, you know, told Mitchell. Yeah, he said, you know, he feels like Mitchell is one of his favorite players, but he, he doesn't have what it takes to get to the next level. And he just had Donovan just sitting there. He's like, all right, and basically saying like, I've I've heard it in my entire career, so it's all right. Like. Which is a good response because, what like, say, you know, what else can he say? Only thing you can do is just do it. That's it. Like, there's nothing you could say in that moment to make him feel differently except win a championship. And that can't happen in this conversation. So, okay. Right. And, you know, everybody, what we do in this day and age with social media and, you know, with our clips, you know, we take this a certain portion of what's going to be the most, you know, attention grabbing. So, obviously, that was the one that went viral. But as I watched the video of it on YouTube, you know, Kenny Smith, he followed it immediately afterward. Like, so we didn't, if you didn't watch the game live, but if you just saw that clip, you didn't know what took place immediately after. Immediately after or before it. Immediately after Kenny Smith, you know, he told Donovan that the guys was having a conversation before the interview, you know, about where Donovan lies and, you know, the NBA superstar on the spectrum, where he is that, like, prolific scorer. But what does it take for him to take to, you know, become that next level superstar and, you know, become a better, a better all around player and to uplift his team? Because the Jazz, let's be honest, you know, the Jazz, since Donovan got there, has been around the same spot. You know, when he first got there, they was like, what, the six seed? Yeah, like, like four or five, four or five. Four or five. And right now they're sitting the number three seed in the West. So the ne- you would think the next hump, and this guy's been in the league for about four years. You would think the next time will be him, you know, taking them to be the first second. Now, granted, you had the Lakers and Clippers right there, but in terms of him and just the overall success of that team, what is it going to take for Donovan Mitchell to be that overall superstar, to, you know, to get his team to that next level? Because right now I can throw out some, some numbers right now. You know, he's averaging at 24.3 points, but four rebounds and five assists. In his career, he's had only one double-digit rebounding game and one double-digit assist game. Well, it's not really his game. I think that, you know, the triple-double, double digits in every category culture has made it feel like, oh, if you only score, then you're not that great. But I don't, I don't think that's true. I mean, nobody's judging Stephen Curry by how many rebounds and how many assists he has. But we would make the argument he's better than a Ben Simmons or a Draymond or a Russell Westbrook, even though they average bigger numbers in the other categories. To me, it just effectiveness is leveled is leveled out by effectiveness. That's the only thing that matters. How effective are you at what you're supposed to do? Kobe, I don't know how many triple doubles he had, but he didn't have nearly as many as a lot of guys in the league now. But nobody would ever make that argument that they're better. So, I mean, he's not supposed to do that. I don't think that's his role. He is pretty much our generation, and not the same level of talent, but in terms of play style. I feel like he's our generation's Dwayne Wade. And with that in mind, he just needs some more guys. Like, if you really look at it, if you really go down the history of the NBA and the timeline of people who have been able to bring a team as the best player to a championship, there's really only been two guards below 6'3 that have done that. And that is Isaiah Thomas and Stephen Curry. You can't really find anybody else who was the best player on their team on a championship team that did that and actually won. And I think it's just really hard to impose yourself as a 6'3 player. Like when you're a guy like LeBron or with KD or Shaq, you're big. You can dominate so much of the game. You can switch out on people. You can change the game on both ends. It's hard to do that at 6'3". And you have to be a otherworldly talent to do that. 
I think holding Donovan Mitchell to that standard, especially with the team he has now, is not fair. I mean, if you look at those other guys we mentioned, I would say Rudy Gobert is not as good as obviously a lot of them. Like, uh, he's not better than Klay Thompson to me. He's not better than Joe Dumars or any of the other players that were on the Bad Boy Pistons. He's not really better than any of the other role players or I guess the second stars of a lot of the teams in the West. Like, he's not better than Anthony Davis, even though Anthony Davis has been a little spotty this year. But he's not better than Paul George. He's not better than, she's. I mean, pretty much any of the co-stars. He's not better than Porzingis. He's not better than a lot of people. So I don't think it's really fair to hold Donovan to that standard without a team to support it. Now, I will say, and it's not really even his fault, but obviously him blowing the 3-1 lead against the Nuggets, which I guess was like trendy for everybody, except for the Lakers, of course, was something that is worthy of, you know, holding him accountable for. But uh, I think Shaq was being a little bit too tough on him. But again, I will say that Shaq, what he was trying to do there was more on the motivational tip than it was being a hater. Because he did say he was a fan. He did say he liked his game. One of his favorite and, players. Yeah, one of his favorite players. And I love Donovan. I mean, obviously, we're, we're Louisville guys, so we love Donovan. I've been following right. him since he was in college. But Shaq technically is right. And Shaq usually only invests in saying these things with people he believes could do something with that information. Like, he did the same thing with Dwight back in the day. Um, he did similar things with a lot of players. So I don't really have a problem with it too much. I just wish he wish he went about it a different way. I, I knew what he was going for, but coming off of a good performance and a win on a nationally televised game, and obviously Donovan Mitchell, I mean, pretty much any great basketball player looks up to other great basketball players. So, you know, having a guy like Shaq tell you, yeah, you're just not good enough. That That's not an interview I wanted to have. So... Another point that Shaq made in an interview, I ended on this. Uh, he said that Donovan Mitchell is like a number two guy on the championship team. Well, that's that's why, like, they was talking about, like, what would we, what would we see him need to do to take that next step to become that number one guy? Because why? What you're saying is right. Like, there have been players like Kobe Bryant, Steph Curry, who affect the game just off their scoring. But those type of guys, their type of the scoring that these guys do, you talking about? These are. First of all, these are like the greatest scores that we're breaking ever, up here that you ever. brought up. Change with all the greatest scores ever. Yeah. And even like a Dwayne Wade, like a, the, the scoring run he went on in the championship to, you know, bring it back. And he has Shaq. You know, these are like one of the greatest like scores. So for Donovan, while he may not add or like more to like rebounding, we don't see that in rebound numbers or assisting, you know. While he's a great scorer, then we probably just need him to take a, a bigger step and being a more prolific scorer to affect the game that much to take that jazz over the hump. Because, like you said, he don't need doesn't need to be one of those stat sheet stuffer guys to be number to be a top guy in the league. And like you said, it is harder for him being like a little bit on the short end, be like a six three six four shooting guard. But he just there's there just need to be an improvement more to him to be that guy because while his assistant scoring average has increased since his rookie year, it just it really didn't increase that heavily. Like it's just, it's been at a steady, you know, steady little pace. Like oh, a one point difference from last year. You know, it's not it's not been right. that much of a jump. Right. So we just need to see Donovan Mitchell take that leap, whether it be in scoring or you know, become more versatile in his game to be that to be considered like a top superstar guy in the league. But then what does that step look like though? Because I mean, he's still. Uh, beyond solid he's a great scorer if i'm in my opinion he's at least top 10 top 15 scorer in the nba right now um he could be more efficient shooting like 43 percent from the field so obviously he could be more efficient but you know you usually get that out of volume scores at the two guard spot i mean that's pretty standard for the position i guess he could be a better facilitator but really i think it just comes down to him just having a better supporting cast. I mean, Rudy Gobert is fine. He's an old school big who plays defense. He doesn't really do much on offense. Joe Ingles is obviously a solid wing. Uh, Quinn Snyder is a great coach. They've got, you know, pieces that are solid Bogdan role players who fill in their spots. Yeah, like Bogdan. Mike Conley has been decent, but that's just not. And Derek Favors back. Yeah, and Derek Favors back. Like, but just looking at the West, I mean, is that roster better than the Lakers? Is that roster better than the Clippers? Is that roster better than nope. the Mavs if Porzingis is healthy? Is that roster better than even Phoenix? I, I don't think so. 
I don't. I mean, the record the record says it is. They number three. I don't. I mean, but but like you said, we're like what twenty five games in the season now. I'm not really looking at that and thinking anything of it yet. I think that we still got to figure out. Not even twenty five at this point. Like what? Eighteen. Yeah, eighteen. Yeah. I forgot. You know, Jesus, season starts basically Christmas. So yeah, we're just getting started none of these records mean anything i mean right now the nets are barely in the playoffs so obviously i know you're not taking that to heart. they're number five they're number five in these things don't say barely barely y'all got three of the yeah. best players in the nba and you're in the they're bottom five. Half of the east. you're in the bottom half of the playoff picture in the east so obviously you're not anyways. taking that to heart. anyways but yeah that's why i'm telling y'all he's a hater they like it and i think <sighs> i don't want to i don't want to say this definitively but i think if you did get a player better than Donovan Mitchell and he were your number two, that the Jazz would be a contender, I, I think. And I like a legit contender, like on the level of L.A. or, you know, the Nets or Boston, Philly, wherever, whoever you want to throw into that mix, Milwaukee. I don't know what that looks like. I guess it really just depends on where you put Donovan Mitchell in terms of like the hierarchy of players. In my opinion, he's kind of like in the 20s. I would put him like, like mid to low twenties right now, maybe higher, maybe like high twenties. But you get all-star a guy, level. yeah, yeah, all star level, like definitely all star level. But I don't know, I don't know particularly where to put him. I just think that they got a better player, or even somebody on his same level, maybe without losing any key guys. Yeah, I think he could win a championship. And like we also. You know, this is his fourth year in the league, too, or fourth. Yeah, because he was part of that 2016 draft. So this is fourth. This is his fourth league in the year, too. So we kind of got to be. Well, he's part of that 2017 draft. My fault. 2017. So we kind of got to be, you know, a little bit, you know, leaning because this guy is still in the early stage of his career. Not everybody's ready to be as dominant or, you know, going to the finals first four or five years in the league. Everybody can't be LeBron. Everybody can't be Magic. Everybody can't be Luka Doncic. Like, people aren't going to come in the league and just average 30 points a game. Or Giannis. I mean, yeah, like Giannis, Kawhi, there's a whole bunch of players who are in the top echelons that were development projects. So I, I don't really see his problem. I don't ever see him, him being a superstar, but he's definitely a star. Hmm. Okay. That's an interesting way to end it right there. Uh, let's go into some lighter news, something that you and I both cannot hate on. Uh, let's praise. As uh, tonight would be the first time in NBA history, uh, the first two-woman crew as Natalie Sago and Jenna Schre- uh, Schroeder will be taking part as two of the three uh, refs in tonight's crew in the Charlotte and Orlando game. Now, this isn't the first time that uh, these two women have worked together as they worked in a three-woman ref uh, crew for a G League game. Um, and there is, I think, that there are among seven women refs, you know, including them in the league altogether. Um, Schroeder has said that this is like a feminist dream come true, that, like, my personal values are colliding with my professional values, and it's awesome. Will, it, will there be more games in the future with multiple women uh, ref crews? Because as we saw, or as we see increasingly, a lot of women roles have been popping up around the league. You know, Becky Hammond is taking a more prominent role in San Antonio. Um, like I said, uh, hold on, I got a phone call right now. Interrupting the show. Um, anyways, uh, <laughs> like, <laughs> so will there be more opportunities, or will, there, will we see more? Um, games like this where it would be, you know, two women ref crews or even an all-woman crew in the NBA game. Oh, yeah, of course. I mean, it's just inevitable. Diversity and inclusion is something that the league, especially the NBA, but all the sports leagues are really taking into consideration. You've seen with all the BLM movement stuff that's been going on. Obviously, Becky Hammond, who I think is going to be very quickly, especially as Greg Popovich is maybe i don't know the man keeps saying it keeps feeling like he's going to retire and then he plays one more he's just like a dj Khaled song just another one another one another one keeps going back and forth eventually he's going to get tired of wanting to be on a losing team he's going to give it up and i think i hope that she gets the coaching spot anyway i don't know who else it would be maybe tim duncan but it's just inevitable at this point that there's going to be more diversity and inclusion on the gender side on the race side as the world just becomes more of an open place. And the NBA has been at the forefront of sports leagues doing that. So if there were a league that would do it first, it would definitely be the NBA. I'm looking forward to it. And it just feels good to know that the league that I love so much, I can like not only as a fan, but then as a human and what they stand for. So I'm behind all the social causes and diversity in every place, refereeing, executive offices, coaching, all of that. Yeah. 
And as we like, like I said, this is something that's been increasingly been happening in the NBA. Like you said, NBA has been one of those or has been like just a standard in the sports league when it comes to being progressive and forward thinking when it comes to diversity and, and, and uh, inclusion. So to have them to have this as monumental night for the women, um, I think it's very, very cool. Very And happening in the midst of what's going on around the world right now with a lot of women, you know, we've seen Kamala Harris being the first uh, female vice president, along being the first minority uh, vice president, you know, and other things that's going on around the world. I think it's pretty cool to go on on top of that. Uh, so shout out to them. Now, let's go ahead and talk about another team that, you know, that is winning, that is uh, dominating, and is actually the third best team in the league. Philadelphia 76ers. Nice. Uh, they are number one team in the East uh, with a record of sitting at 12 and five. Uh, the last couple games, you know, they played against, I saw them when they played against the Celtics both games and they beat them both times uh, without Jason Tatum, of course. Um, but overall this season, Joel Embiid has been dominating. Very talked talked about a lot in terms of this MVP race. Up there, you know, with LeBron James, who many have as is the surefire MVP this year, uh, and Paul George is having a not 50-40-90 year, but a 50-50-90 year, with tied for the best record in the West with the Lakers as well. Um, so Joel and being the 76ers, let's go through his numbers. Career high in points with 20 point, 27.7, 11.5 rebounds, uh, 1.3 steals, which is a career high. Shooting 55% from the field, career high. 41% from three, a career high. He's better, he's in better condition. You know, we talked about it for the past couple of years. You know, he, he had a great year uh, three, two seasons ago where he averaged 27.5 uh, points with 13.6 rebounds. That was a very good year for him. Uh, and we talked about that he, if he's became in better health condition, that It'll take his game to the next level, and that's obviously what he took into consideration this past offseason after being eliminated in the first round in the bubble. Um, he's looked very, he looked very healthy. He's playing well consistently, and he's playing most of his games now too, which is another thing that we, you know we kind of wanted to see from Joel Embiid because he'll have that little, they have good stretch of games. He'll just won't play a couple of games, but he's playing games more consistently. They have good pieces around them too in Philly. Mm-hmm. You know, they made some good moves. You know, they got Doc Rivers as their coach now. They got rid of Brett Brown. Uh, he, he, brought, he brought with him Sandy Gasell and Papa Jones, media and the Pacers. Shout out to him. Uh, Tobias Harris, who played well, Doc Rivers, as we saw with the Clippers before. He's playing really good this year. They got Seth Curry. They got Dwight Howard from your Lakers and Danny Green as well. Wish we still uh, had him. Danny Green's actually like he can hit threes now. Yeah. And they got Tyrese Maxey and Thibault. They got Cork Moss, you know, Shake Milton. They got, they got a good group of guys. Yeah. Um, but that's one guy there. That's one guy on this team. You know, we, we talk about all these high points at the Philadelphia 76ers and, you know, why they reign supreme in the East. But that's one guy, you know, who's just kind of just playing like a little pedestrian. You know, he's just taking his little time, not really impressing anybody. Nobody's looking for him. This is just being in the background, just doing his thing. While Joel and B getting all this praise, we forgot about this one guy. I'm talking about Ben Simmons. Or... Oh. As people have been calling him the Chris Brown of the NBA. Because <laughs> <laughs> so, you know why? Because since he's got in, he's been very consistent. He hasn't got much better. You know what he's going to get from him. He's going to get out the same output. So let's look. I'm going to let you get the floor, but let me throw out these numbers for you. Mm-hmm. So his the season averaging right now, he's averaging 12.9 points, 8.7 rebounds, and 8.1 assists, and shooting 66% from the free throw line. Now, people talk about he's a great defender. Okay, he is. His distribution field goal percentage, which, which is what he allows him, players, is 38.9%. Mm-hmm. Now, Doc Rivers has encouraged him to play the best version of his game this year. You know, everybody's been saying, Ben Simmons needs to shoot threes, become a better scorer, this will expand his game, which is obvious. But Doc Rivers, as his coach, has been encouraging him just to play the best version of himself. And that's what, I mean, his, his scoring average went down. But, you know, same rebound, the same assist numbers, you know, flirting with triple doubles type of guy. Right. Now, this is his fifth season. He missed his first year with an injury. So, technically, he's been playing four years. When we would see Ben Simmons take that leap to be such a top player? Because as it looks as as a player, you know, as an overall player, 
Many compared this guy to being LeBron James. If he just has a scoring ability, people have said he could be the next LeBron James. He has all the intangibles. He's great. He's a great defender, even better defender than LeBron James. Good, he's a great facilitator, good, good handles, great rebounder. Just not a great scorer. What is it going to take for this guy? Leaving Philly or not playing with Joel Embiid anymore in general, whether that means that Joel goes or he goes. I think it's obviously looking like he would go if anybody because Joel is putting up numbers. If we're talking numbers anyway, I would pick Joel Embiid for MVP. Uh, I'm obviously a little biased to the Lakers, and I'm just like 18-year LeBron, 18 years of King James. That's tough. That's real tough, and you can't deny that. However, I think this just shows even more than has already been presented over the last four years that these two guys just cannot be their best selves at the same time. They just can't be. They're not peanut butter and jelly. They're like ice cream and mashed potatoes as individual units. They are very good, but if you mix them together, they just don't blend. And that is okay. That is fine. But the sooner that people acknowledge that and just recognize, okay, these two things, they just don't mix. Let's take one of them and double down on him by getting rid of the other one and getting pieces that lets him be even better. Because you look at Joel Embiid, I think a big part of it is because of the spacing that's been slightly added. Like obviously Ben Simmons, you know, you got a guy like him that's going to mess things up a little bit, but he's taken less shots this year than he's taken, I think, his entire career. He's averaging less points. He's not, and it's like barely, like we're talking like three or four minutes here, but the least amount of minutes his entire career. And generally, I don't know this for a fact, but I imagine just from like looking at the Sixers play, his usage rate is pretty low compared to where it's been. And I think the addition of Danny Green, the addition of Seth of Seth Curry, then Tobias Harris, he's actually getting back into his bag like he was in with the Clippers before he got traded there the first time. And he's getting consistent in there and being that kind of stretch forward kind of a player for them. I think all that is hel- helping Joel have, a, have such a great season. And I think the sooner that you allow Joel and B to just be Joel Embiid and then no longer have to cater to each other in the sense of how they are with Ben Simmons. I just, I just think they need to trade Ben. They need to trade one of them right now. It's looking like it should be Ben versus Joel Embiid. It flops for me. Like it could be Ben today. It could be Joel next week. I don't know, but I just don't think they're meant to play with each other. And if you put Ben Simmons on his own team, which I was really hoping he got traded to Houston, because I just feel like if you put him in a system with that many shooters in a system like that. With John Wall, though? I mean, it would have been weird with John Wall, but, I mean, at the end of the day, the Houston Rockets aren't building their future around a 30-year-old point guard with bad knees. So if it came down to it, they would have focused on Ben Simmons versus John Wall. And you're not going to not get – uh, 20, what's it been since like 24, 25? Like, yeah, he was born 96. So. Yeah, so he, he's like 24. So he's like 24 year old, 6'10 guard who's good at everything. He's a good defender, good rebounder, good passer. He's a great finisher. He just can't shoot. Honestly, give me that guy, 24 years old, put him around a whole bunch of shooters and run the system through him. If you gave him a system similar to what Giannis has, I think he would be phenomenal. So, I think you trade him. If you want to see Ben Simmons at his best, get him out of Philly. Now, here's the thing I will say. While it does, while you take and compare him to like a Giannis and where you say you you take Giannis and he has all these guys around him that can shoot and you see how he's doing and how he's flourishing. You know, he also has a big at Brooke Lopez. Now, granted, Brooke Lopez can stretch the floor as well, but so can Joel Embiid. Let's not act like Joel Embiid is just this black hole in the paint and like he just, he just can do and stays in the paint the whole time. You would think that with the guys that they added to this team, with the shooters that they had, the spacing that these guys have and the way they've been playing, you would think that Ben Simmons should be able to thrive in this, right? But I feel like you know, the only thing you need to trade them. I think if Ben Simmons just had – it would just quit being reluctant and would just start shooting. Because that's the thing with Giannis. Giannis, where we may not trust Giannis to shot, Giannis will shoot. Giannis will at least come down and pull a three in your face. He will try. He will at least – he will put it up. He will shoot mid-range. We we, can, we may not trust Johnson for three, but he'll at least shoot mid-range. Where Ben Simmons, on the other hand, he's not even putting up no shots. So that's why I say it's not really at fault of Joel Embiid and his success. I feel like it's all on Ben Simmons because 
You can only go so far. He's going to be who he's going to be. He's been playing for four years, really five, because he wasn't playing, but he was still practicing. He was still working with the NBA players. He was still with trainers. So he's been in the league for five years. But, okay. He is who he is. Okay. I won't argue that. Because we've seen multiple players at this point in their career or later change the type of player they have become. That dramatically from not shooting to being a good shooter? Yes. There's there's big big men that have done that. Yes. Brooke Lopez, he was always a good mid-range shooter. No, I mean, okay, but here's the difference. Okay, mid-range, taking it five, ten feet out. Okay, Ben Simmons can shoot. What about Vucevic? Vucevic has become one of those guys who, you know, he's been a good, solid guy down low. But now this guy, boom, boom, he's pulling for three. This guy, like, it, it can happen. So that's not like a four and four guy, especially he's only, like you say, he's only what, 24, 25 years old. He's still young. So it's, see, it's, like, different. it's different from putting them up and then not making them. It's another, especially when you've been playing as a guard your whole life. Like, it's not like these, you're talking about bigs who grew up in an era where bigs didn't shoot and then having to relearn the skills. Like, if you're talking about a guy who's been working in the industry, some industry for the longest time. And then, oh, the tech boom and all these new software systems and all that. And they haven't been exposed to that. And now you're asking them to be a, a master of Python and R and all these different things. Like, okay, that makes sense. They're gonna, they, there's a learning curve to that. You have been literally a guard in this growing up in this era of shooting and you've made the conscious decision to not want to shoot. That is a mental decision that goes beyond anything that a coach can teach because that's like the whole argument of you can take a horse to water, but you can't make it drink. But you've been swimming. You've been swimming in this, and you're just not gonna open your mouth and take a gulp of none of it. But like, listen, but why? Okay, why he's but why it's gotten him so far, and why he has made a conscious decision to take that next step. You're gonna have to shoot because okay, let's say he let's say he doesn't really get into shooting. How how much better can we see Ben Simmons get? Honestly, honestly, because. That's why you think people are calling him the Chris Brown of the NBA or just be that shit numbers. Like, because you can't get any better if you're not shooting. If your game's ever pretty, pretty, but let's not talk about Chris Brown. Like, he's like, you know, like. I'm not saying, I'm not saying he's bad. But just talking about, just in terms of consistency, you know what you're going to get from this guy. You know what type of music Chris Brown's going to make you, and you know what you're going to get from him. Ben Simmons, you know what you're going to get with this guy. You know you're going to get 13 points. You're going to play with a triple double. You know that. You're not gonna get any better. You know what I'm saying? Not like not this Chris Brown, like he's weak, but you know what you're gonna get with him. You know you're not gonna get anything but, different. But, but you put Chris Brown on, on the right production, you put him on the right thing, you let him have a little music video, a little da 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 as a platinum selling record. So don't even like Ben Simmons who he is. It, it gets to the point where you focus so much on what somebody could be that you never adjust to who they actually are. And if you adjust to who they are, and out for the for the 76ers, I just believe. It might not be worth it to him because Joel Embiid might just be a better player if he's healthy. Because I, I have been saying on record that I would have traded Joel Embiid versus trading Ben Simmons just because I felt like eventually Ben Simmons, I mean, it just felt like eventually, just by osmosis, you're in the league with a whole bunch of shooting guards. You are eventually going to pick it up. <laughs> Maybe not. Maybe I was wrong. And also Joel Embiid wasn't staying healthy. He's been healthy this year. He's been consistent. Um, I, I feel like in the NBA as it is constructed now, it just be really It'd be weird to win with a traditional big now. Like the last team. But is Joel Embiid a traditional big, like, big though? Like, we, I, I, I gave you a When I say traditional big, I mean a big who can't initiate the offense. Like, he's, a, he's not traditional in the fact he's shooting 40% from three, obviously. Like, that's not traditional. But I mean traditional in the fact that he's not going to bring the ball down the court. Like, there are bigs like AD and Giannis. And I mean, by height, if we're Jokic. talking about it. Jokic, KD, or whatnot, that are very guard-like in their abilities. And that lets them control the game. Because like you said, the guard controls so much of the game because they bring the ball down the court. They initiate the offense. They have to throw the ball to Joel Embiid. There's so many things that can happen between there versus when your best player is a guard who can bring up the ball. So to me, I think Joel Embiid could only really be the best player on a team with another star guard who is not as good as him. Like, I, I don't even know who that would be. Like, honestly, if you put Donovan Mitchell and Joel Embiid on the same team, even, I think that would be a team that could win a title. But I, I don't really see it as it is now. And because of that, I think you need to trade Ben Simmons to get that guy. <sighs> I'm telling you, man, Ben Simmons, like we said, he has all of the great intangibles that we that we think goes into a great player. Like I said, 
Not saying the legacy wise, but skills wise, very comparable to LeBron James. If he just takes that leap and becomes a better scorer and gets out of that mental lock in his head and starts to shoot the ball, I think that's that's what it takes for him to be the next level. But let's talk about a guy who has taken that next step offensively, Jalen Brown. For the, Boston set, for the Boston Celtics, you know, the guy that we see, you know, on Twitter dancing, you know, when he got that big contract, even though it wasn't really Jalen Brown, but people say it looks like Jalen Brown. <laughs> he has every right to dance. I mean, I would. This Four past, mil? I dance. I, hey, and he's earned every penny this year. Mm-hmm. He has just set a single game record for the most points ever scored in less than 20 minutes of playing time with 33 points. And approximately 19 minutes and 14 seconds, if you want to get exact with it. Now, this is not the first time Jalen Brown has done this. Because we, like, we know Jalen Brown. He's been in the league for about what? This, about five years now? Yeah, this season? Four, four years, I think. Four? Yeah. He, I think he's in, he's in the Ben Simmons class. He's in the Ben Simmons yeah, class. Okay. He's the year before. He's year before Tatum. So, he's been in the league for about five years so we always know Jalen Brown's being an athletic, you know, wing defender type guy to score, but not one of those like creating those creating his own shot type of guy, shot creator type of guy. But this year, that's what he's become. That's the next step he's talking about. That's the type of next step that we talk about for some of these guys that we want him to take. He has now scored 30 or more points in a game five times this season. With only we in like 18 games. He's only played five, 15 games too. Yeah. So five and he has two of his only 40 career point games this year as well. Now, is Jalen Brown a top player in the East with his recent scoring surge? If we look at his numbers, we're talking about he's averaging career high, 27.3 points this year. That's more than Jason Tatum's 26.8, basically 27, around the same thing. 43% from the field and 43% from three, all career highs, all career highs. And also, he's had a career high in attempts from the field in threes with 19.7 from the field and 6.2 from the three, respectfully. Is this guy really a top guy in the East? I think, so when you say top, how how many people are top? Like 5, 10, 12? What, what does that look like before I answer this question? Well, so like me, you was talking about before, if we're taking like the all-star team, and like just oh, he's a reserve. Yeah. Oh yeah, he'd be a reserve. He wouldn't start. Oh, he wouldn't he got, start. He wouldn't. No, he wouldn't start because you got Kyrie. Now you got James Harden. Then obviously you got KD, Giannis, Joel Embiid. So th- those are your stars: two guards and then three forwards. Off the bench, at least as it is right now. Uh, you, I guess Jalen Brown would be in there. Then you also got to thank Bradley Beal. I get Westbrook gets in there too. Don't say on name. Uh, Trey Young's gonna be in there as well. Jason Tatum, J- yeah, Jason Tatum. You, he, he's missed so many games. Though. I guess you, you put him in there. Bam Adebayo's got to be in there too. Of it's course, Sabonis. Sabonis got to be in there. Brogdon, my he's Brogdon. having a really good. Year. Okay, oh, I'm gonna ask you this: Is Julius Randle an All Star this year? You know, looking, looking at the forwards, because you, because you gotta think. Julius Randle's his 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 lines right now. He's averaging 23 11 and 6. And the Knicks are 500 right now, I think. Yeah, they are in the playoffs. They are in the playoffs. Yeah, so I mean, is he an All-Star this year? I think so. Knicks. He's he's the main guy of that team. Sabonis. Those are better numbers than Sabonis. He's the main guy of that team. I would say he is. I would okay. say he is. So, he he's an All-Star. How many how many people is that? Was that 10? Was that 10? Who am I forgetting? I'm always forgetting people. But. Regardless, though. But regardless, he's in there. He's he's in there. I think he's in there. He's a he's all star, definitely. It's so okay. Now you made a point about how Jason Tatum has been out. He's been out the uh, last five games. He returns tonight because um, he's been at the test of positive for COVID. He returns tonight as they play against the Bulls. Now, one could say that he's on. He's going on the scoring the scoring burst because Jason Tatum's been out. But he's been doing this even with Jason Tatum being there from the jump. This is the season started. Oh yeah. Now, like I said, keep in mind, this is we're only 18 games into the season at most. Now I know the Celtics missed about three games, so then they missed they played 15 games. So they about 15 games into the season. Mm-hmm. 
Will, is this something we're going to see consistently happen from Jalen Brown? Because the way it looks to me and the way he's playing, because from watching the games and seeing them like in, in like in crunch time and some games, I know the guy got on the team, Pritchard, the rookie they have. They had him out with MCL sprain right now, and his knee's pretty good. Mm. But seeing Jalen Brown, you know, play, because even Kim Walker had been out for most of these games, too. He just came back recently. He plays, like, very calm. You know, he knows where to go to get to his spots and the mood to make. Like, he just became a better playmaker and a better shot creator for himself. So I'm thinking this does go – this is the real him. I think this is something that we're going to see consistently from. I don't think it's just the beginning of the season, you know, numbers. I think it's something we're going to see. From I think it's going to go forward. I'm buying Jalen Brown stock. I think it's going to continue. I think Kimball Walker, even though he's missed some games, he hasn't really been great in the games he has played. And I think Boston is leaning a little bit away from him and some of the other guys and leaning more towards Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum, who are and Marcus Smart. That's the three. And Marcus and Mark. Oh, and Marcus Smart has been he's been a monster too. And Marcus Smart doesn't get enough love because he's not that guy who fills up the stat sheet, but his impact and just being a versatile guy in all areas of the game is just understated. But I think they're really leaning in on that Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum, two-headed monster. And I feel like I feel like they've always had a very good duality of working with each other, so I don't really think there will be bumping of heads too much. I, I think they mm-hmm. both got their money. They're both putting up good numbers. They're both probably going to be all-stars. And, I mean, they're winning. Boston, what is Boston right now, the, the four seed? Three seed, four seed? They are the four seed. Yeah. yeah, so, you know, they got a good record. I, I don't really see any reason for Jalen Brown to fall off. I think he's going to sustain. All right. Uh, so let's take us into uh, some news that just happened recently. You know, Woj reports that NBA may hold an all-star game this year. Uh, the likely side that they've been looking at as the NBA and NPA are discussing is Atlanta. We all know that Georgia, you know, has been a place that's been kind of lenient with uh, or been more open with their businesses and functions going on down there. Uh, looser restrictions down there in Georgia. But the NBA is in for all-star game in March and Atlanta has been brought up as a possibility. You know, the idea includes providing support for HBCUs and COVID-19 relief. What do you think about this? Um, it's hard for me to say. I guess it would really depend on all of the restrictions. I haven't read up all of it. I, I will admit I've only really it's, 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 it really it's just came out. So full story has not been out yet. This is just okay. Like That's what I thought. I saw from somebody that they were saying like, oh, someplace in Atlanta, and they would talk about like some HBCU COVID relief, and I hadn't seen anything else outside of that. Basketball junkie, I love it. I would love to have an all-star game. And I think also it just rewards the players so much for what they do and letting them be recognized. And you also got to think that the all-star game is just an all-star game. It really is just for the fun of the fans and the players to get recognized. But a lot of those all-star bids actually play a big part in people's salary negotiations because there are certain types of contracts you can only get with a certain amount of all-star appearances and whatnot. So you can't understate how important that is to be voted into these. Of course, you can still get voted in there and not actually be a game, but you still get that recognition. But if it's possible to happen... We I'll see her Clay Thompson before. We see you hurt. not... It wasn't All-Star. Yeah. They all NBA. No, it was the other thing about All-NBA all defense. All-Defense, all I think. Or no, was, was it All-NBA? All-NBA. It was an All-NBA team. He, he didn't make All-NBA team that year. And it kind yeah, of hurt his contract. Yeah, because yeah, he couldn't get, like... I don't know all the restrictions and whatnot, but I know there's a limitation to how much money he could be offered because of that, even though obviously he deserved it. But because of the stipulations around like awards and whatnot, they have to just have a certain number. Uh, but out, that out the question, just thinking about it as a game and if it's feasible. I mean, the NBA has shown that they can make these things happen. Uh, and I hope they could. I really would love it to happen. I mean, duh, I'm, a, I'm an NBA fan and I would love to see people play the best players play each other it's just a good right. time and i look forward to all-star game every year not so much the other stuff like i really get they get pretty much cut everything on saturday honestly they got to cut something for covid protocol cut that i don't i don't, I don't care about the really season. you don't I, care about dunk contests or three-point contests anymore i care about the dunk contest um the three-point contest is fun in spurts but you can cut the skills challenge. I, I don't really I care. like the skills challenge ain't better. Especially now we have the big versus the guards. I like that. It's interesting, but if they had to cut something for sake of people not being a bunch in a place, I, you can get rid of the Saturday festivities. Like, they're cool. I, 
But now, I'm not losing sleep about him. I'm not losing sleep about him. I will miss the Celebrity All Star game though. I didn't. Now you okay? The Celebrity All Star game that, that could possibly be cooked because that's like an outside entity coming in. I didn't but, miss that. That was always fun. But for like the skill, like for the Saturday events, those are like more indiv- more individualized events. I wouldn't think they would cut those. Cause you really, you think you're just you out there dunking by yourself. You out there shooting threes by yourself. Yeah, you're doing that, a skill challenge by yourself. That's true. Yeah, that's true. Well, from that lens, it makes sense. I ain't gonna lose no sleep if they're gone though. I'm gonna say that. <laughs> I don't like. I know there's not one to one, but if there was some reason like, oh, we gotta cut one of these, like one of these All Star Day activities, gotta go Saturday can buy. Like really, to me, you could just have the Rising Star, or whatever they call it, Team World versus Team USA. It's not Rising Star anymore. Yeah, but you can have that. And you can have the all-star game and everything else. I, I ain't gonna lose too much sleep except for the celebrity gangs. That that game is funny. I'm I would love that. I would love wow. that to still happen. Wow. He wants to get rid of the historic Saturday day. Wow. I mean, I'm not I don't want to get rid of it, but if something had to go for it to happen, I would not you, you, you're not losing any sleep or cutting any ties to them, as you say. Yeah, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna go to sleep crying or hurt. I'll just go to sleep and say, oh, all-star games tomorrow. Yay. <laughs> Well, um, coming up, coming up tomorrow uh, will be the one-year anniversary of your favorite player and many people play uh, favorite player of all time, uh, Kobe Bryant. His death, his untimely death, took place last year. I know where I was at. I remember that day very vividly. I remember the night before too. It was uh, celebrating my. Yeah, the night before is when Le- and Le- that's the day that LeBron passed him all time in scoring in Philly. And he did. I, me- I remember watching him. I remember him actually scoring the points for that to happen. And I remember Kobe even tweeted out to him that night. And LeBron was even talking to him that morning before he even left. Um, and we-, we all know what happened after that. Um, obviously, a-, a huge impact. Huge, huge impact Kobe Bryant's left on not only just Los Angeles Lakers, but the NBA world and just the world itself. Uh, following his death, we see just the global impact that the man that has had on anybody, even outside the sport of basketball, with just his mom mentality, the way he carried himself, uh, people just being inspired by the way he's played basketball altogether. It's the type of person he, he is and was becoming, too. Uh, you know, his daughter was a part of that plane crash as well. Um, or helicopter crash, I have to say. Um, and we've seen the type of girl that he has become and the influence he's had on her and his other daughters and on the, the growing popularity of WNBA as well. Um, and even 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 entertainment business where we saw he won an Academy Award for Best Animated Short with Dirty Basketball. Um, I know what he means to you. Uh, before I get to you, though, like, I, to me, you know, Kobe Bryant has always been that guy that I just I remember just seeing growing up like my dad's a big Lakers fan so of course I knew who Kobe was we didn't know who Kobe was with a name like that like come on now there's plenty of kids named Kobe after this guy now because it's Kobe B Brian oh, yeah. <laughs> like it, it's he's been one of the best players that, that I have seen you know, obviously I didn't get to see Jordan as prime so is it like next to LeBron he's probably the second he's the second best player I've ever seen play you know you argue to say that he's better but that guy just he's just meant so much to the game of basketball. Um, ironic, ironically enough, last year around this time was when I recorded my first show of Trey Ball, and I talked about the death as it happened, you know, as it came about. Um, I remember that? So, I, so I was like the first show that took place. Um, so, George, obviously, you being the big Kobe Bryant fan that you are, you know, making a tribute video, a video about him last year, and working on a one year later video right now. Um, Talk to us about the impact of Kobe Bryant and what he's meant to you, especially, and the world from your from your perspective. Um, oh God, <laughs> uh, there's so much I could I could say, I could talk for the length of the entire podcast up to this point about it, but just to keep it short for anybody who knows me, you know how much he means to me. Like there is no question. This is even before he was dead. This is like just me as an individual. I talked about him the way people have since he died, but when he was still alive. So, I mean, he, he means a lot to me for people who don't know me, the person that I am in terms of working hard, chasing new opportunities and never giving up and just choosing to believe in myself, no matter what, all that came from Kobe. And obviously there are people in my life who have helped me. Like Kendall has been somebody who I've, you know, has helped push me through difficult times and my mom and other family and friends. But 
I don't think I would be the human being that I am today in any shape or form without Kobe. Like it just meant so much to me. And not as like an NBA player, like I'm five eight with a twenty five inch vertical. That never was gonna happen. But his teachings and the lessons that he taught me as a kid go so much further than just picking up a basketball and putting it in the hoop. But it's about determination and wisdom and being a student of the game and being opportunistic and chasing after your dreams unapologetically, no matter what the world throws at you. And having a guy like that no longer be here at a relatively young age when he had so much life ahead of him it for me just shows how short life can be and how sudden it can be and that you owe it to yourself to live every moment like it could be your last because it actually could be and i take that with me every day i wear this kobe chain every day this kobe wristband every day and i think that if i every day wake up and figure out how i can be more like kobe and channel that mama mentality that if I do that enough days in a row, eventually one day I might have a legacy on the same level of his. And I think that whether you like the Lakers, whether you like basketball, whether you like anything about Kobe as a person, those are lessons that are universally admirable and something that if you could put into your life, you'd be a better person. So this is an anniversary of not a momentum, not, not a moment to grieve, but of an opportunity to celebrate the person that meant a lot to me and a lot to a lot of people. So that's all I got to say about it <laughs> for now. Anyway. Yeah. More to come. Like I said, on that tribute video that you uh, preview not too long ago that you're still working on. So yeah, Kobe Bryant has been a lot to, like I said, to you, especially and to many others worldwide. And it's a shame that he's not here and the other people that was on it, that they lost their life on the helicopter that morning. So rest in peace to Kobe. Rest peace to everybody that was on the plane, his daughter Gianna, the Arpatelli family, and those that, that traveled with them that day. Um, and that wraps it up today on the show with Trey Ball. Uh, appreciate y'all for tuning in and listening to me and George talk our shit and uh, give our opinions on uh, the NBA. George, it's been a pleasure to have you on another episode of Trey Ball, my man. Always glad to be here. Looking forward to the next one, my man. All righty. Peace out, guys. Stay safe. See ya.